This summer, we are going to be looking at uh, the book of Proverbs. We're going to be looking at the issue of the wisdom in the Proverbs, and is that applied in our everyday life? And uh, it's going to be a great summer, and we're really, really looking forward to that. There's a big uh, difference, though, between intellect and wisdom. Have you ever thought about that? Between wisdom, applied knowledge, and intellect, understood knowledge. And at some of the most critical times in our lives, I think the knowledge that we have is, is kind of rendered useless because we're not aware of how to, how to make it wisdom and applied in our lives. You see people like this all over the place who haven't, be, haven't been able to put that kind of thing into practice, right? Have you ever seen someone trying to fix a lawnmower? The lawnmower is like, there's something jammed inside of a lawnmower, and you see people jamming their hands inside a lawnmower, just trying to prop that thing loose. Or, yeah, I've seen, those are the people, they have a few less fingers or digits or things, because they've tried to fix a lawnmower with something in there without actually turning the lawnmower off. They, they know it's not a great idea, but it's wi- the difference between wisdom and knowledge. I had a friend, and uh, we, I took him out for sushi for the first time. And he said, what's that green glob on the side of my plate? And I said, oh, well, have you had anything hot before? Like, it's just like hot sauce, but it's called wasabi. And you just kind of like dip the sushi in it. Like, you just want to get a nice, a nice smear of it, of, of, of it on there. He's like, I bet I could eat that whole thing. <laughs> I bet you could too. <laughs> and so he, he grabbed, he put his chopsticks down and grabbed the fork and forkful that whole green thing. Intellect and wisdom, very different things. He, he thought he... He didn't really apply the principles of, uh, of, of, of heat and pepper into that. So that was a fun lunch with him. I, you know, there's, there's been lots of great conversations that, that go with, I bet you couldn't do that. I bet, that's how, that's like the, the basis for a great conversation to start with. Like when, with, with bikes as kids, have you, did you ever go near a construction site when you were on your bike as a kid? And there's a, like, there's all those neat like, basements that have been dug up and there's there's oftentimes things you can launch yourself off of and the kids go i bet you could do that <laughs> i bet if you went really hard you could get right over that basement or you know you could probably hop that big drain pipe come on now if you pull up hard enough i bet you could do that intellect and wisdom are two very different things even though we know something's not a good idea even though we know things to be true and right we don't always apply it Well, I was going through some news articles over the last few weeks, and I saw one that just just epitomized the difference between intellect and wisdom. When you know you've got a limited amount of time to do something, but you get sidetracked, and you think, you know, this is not the right choice for me to do, but I'm just going to... Just going to do this because I want to. Did anybody read about the um, the thief in Minnesota who got sidetracked while he was trying to rob this person's house? Anybody read about that? Okay, I want you to watch the news article and see how this guy lost focus and didn't apply the the wisdom and, and intellect uh, principles. We watch this clip. Jail tonight because he logged on to Facebook. Yeah, police say that Nicholas Wig checked his profile from a home he had broken into, and then didn't log off happened last week in South St. Paul. Kate Raditz shows us how the homeowner helped police catch Wig. When I came home from work that day, that screen was laying right here. When James Wood came home Thursday morning, his house had been ransacked, several items gone. Credit cards, cash for a soccer tournament, checkbook, uh, watch. Kind of started to panic. Wood notified police, but then noticed something on his computer. He, uh... (laughs) 
He pulled up his Facebook profile um, and left it up. Police say 26-year-old Nicholas Wig had checked his Facebook while stealing from the house and forgotten to log out. So Wood updated Wig's status. I shared his photo and I said, watch out for this guy. He's a thief. People kept commenting on that post. He also left his phone number asking anyone to call with information on where to find Wig. He texted me at 7 p.m. Who should text him? Wig himself. I replied, you left a few things at my house last night. How can I get them back to you? Wig agreed to meet with Wood under the impression he could give back Wood's recycled cell phone in exchange for his clothes he had left at the home. World's dumbest criminals. When Wood spotted him heading toward the house, he called police. So, yeah, I've never seen this before. Dakota County Attorney James Backstrom says he's thankful Wig was caught, but even he is baffled by Wig's decision to log on to Facebook. It's a pretty unusual case. Might even make the uh, the late night television shows uh, in terms of uh, not being too bright. If you want have done the Facebook thing, we would have never caught him. He could face up to 10 years in prison and $20,000 in fines if convicted of this most recent charge. <laughs> so, you know, not everyone is the, is the brightest bulb on the shelf, as, uh, as they say, and hopefully I'm not dealing with anybody here on that level this morning, but, but hopefully we're going to have some time to reflect on our own ability to apply that kind of wisdom into our own lives. Can we go to the picture here? If you were faced at the restaurant this afternoon, you're faced with, you've got, <laughs> you've got, you've got like some kind of boiled chicken and broccoli over on the left-hand side. Yeah, we've got a few, and we've got, we've got steak there cut up nicely with fries on the right-hand side. Now, wisdom would tell us we know if we exist on the right, we're going to have like, like our heart is going to just stop at some point and we're, we're going to have cholesterol coming out of every pore of our body. We know wisdom, the wise choice is on the left, but we don't do it. Why don't we do it? Why don't, Andrew, why don't, why don't you do it? <laughs> Which one tastes better? <laughs> we don't always make the healthy choice. We don't always make the wise choice because it feels better, because it tastes better, because that's what makes life, we, we think we're going to experience life at a better level. When you get a little bit of extra money, do you go on a vacation or do you have more RRSPs? Do you have a new toy or do you have a bigger savings account? Most of the time, we want to go get something new. We want to indulge because it's fun, because it's easier. But it's not always basing it on wisdom, on, on, on that choice. So this summer... We're going to get smart. We're going to examine the book of Proverbs with some of the most wise sayings ever written. And we're going to look at wisdom for purposeful living. Purposeful is the key word there. We want to live lives that are fully rooted in the Bible. We want to live successful lives. And these will be great standalone messages. We know people will be, will be uh, traveling over the course of the summer. So we'll see you some weeks. We won't see you other weeks. So it's great just to pop in and pop out. It's also a great series that we're going to build out uh, for, the, for the seven weeks over the, over the summer. And we're going to look at how we apply wisdom to our families, how we apply wisdom to our finances, how we reply to our relationships, all out of the book of Proverbs. So it's going to be a great summer. And we'd actually encourage you to read along the Proverbs with us. A great strategy for reading the Proverbs. There's 31 Proverbs. You can read one a day. Now we're already behind. We're at, what, July 6th? So you've got to go two a days for a while. We're into, we're into 
catch-up. So you go two days for a week and catch right up. Or nobody's checking, so you can just read one a day if you want. But if you want to follow along reading the Proverbs with us, just pick one chapter of the Proverbs that, that corresponds with the date on the calendar. And you'll read through the Proverbs twice this summer. And we're really believing we're going to get wisdom for purposeful living. So we're going to root everything this morning out of Proverbs chapter 4, verses Uh, 23 through 27. And if you need a Bible to borrow this morning, just slip up your hand and uh, the guys will make sure that you get a copy to borrow as as we get going with wisdom for purposeful living. Proverbs 4 verses 23 through 27. Here's what it says. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. All throughout our lives, we're told to guard our hearts. Starts as kids. We look at our kids and we think we need to guard the innocence of our children. We, we, don't, we don't let them see scary movies. We don't let them hear vulgar talk. We know that there's an innocence about their heart. So we guard that, and we do that very carefully. And teenagers, we're, we encourage them to protect their hearts and protect their emotions from getting too deep into relationships when they're 14, 15, 16 years old, and his parents will say, you know, you need to protect your heart. You don't, you, you don't want to give your heart away yet. You don't, you don't know what, what that could do to you. So protect that heart. Guard your heart. Even as adults, we know we can experience what it means when somebody scars our heart. We've all probably experienced a time where somebody's criticized us. They've cut us down. We've had this big life disappointment. And there's been a part of our heart that we feel has been kind of gouged, that's been kind of scarred. It's those ouch moments. I was watching SportsCenter this week, and there was a guy that proposed to his fiance on the big screen. And she didn't say no, but she didn't, she didn't say yes either. She kind of she turned and, and walked off the screen. And then quickly the screen turned to the dancing mascot because they didn't want to keep this guy's, this guy's pain on in, in front of 50,000 people as well as all the viewing audience as well. But it's one of those ouch moments where you think, there's a piece of that guy that's never coming back. His heart is completely scarred. Or what about at work when you've just made this big pitch and your boss says, you know, it looks like you put a lot of hard work into that, so thank you. <laughs> and that's it. He doesn't say, yeah, that's great. Or, or, if you're, or if you're pitching to a client and the client goes another way after all the hard work, there's a part of you that feels hardened, a part of your heart that starts to harden. And you wonder, am I ever going to be that vulnerable again? Am I ever going to get that back? We know all throughout our lives we need to guard our heart. Because if we don't, and we start to get hurt, then we start to act as hurt people do. And there's a wonderful saying we, we, in the counseling field. It's that hurt people hurt people. People who have been hurt go on to hurt people. Because we're defensive, because we're upset, because we feel like we've been wrong. And once we've been hurt, then we oftentimes start to externalize that when we go into our self-defense mode. And we want to look at three things in this passage that kind of set up this series about what we can do to guard our hearts as fully devoted followers of Jesus. And the first one is this, that we would protect our heart from negative influences, the external negative influences that are around us that could come and scar us, that could come and do that kind of thing that we just talked about with, uh, that, that, that we just talked about. 
We can think about the people that we're spending our time with, the kinds of media that we take in, the stuff that we experience on a regular basis that has the ability to influence us in a negative way. Consider your own life for a a minute. Who are the people in your world that have the greatest amount of time to influence you in a given week? Just by sheer number alone, the greatest amount of time that a person has on your life. Who is that person or who who is that group of people? Maybe you share a cubicle with somebody, one person who gets to influence you for 37 and a half hours a week. I know there's some people you'll be like right there, you, there'll be three or four people in that, in that cubicle. And for the majority of your work week, you're with that group of people. So what, how they act, what they say, what they talk about, what they do has an influence on your life. Maybe you work in a team of five or six people. Maybe, maybe it's that group of people. Or maybe consider for a moment the kinds of media that you take in in a given week. You know, the radio will be playing all along in the background, or, or if we consider some of the themes in the, in, in the shows that we have on Netflix or the ones that we have DVR'd. Have you ever considered what's coming in influencing us from the outside? Because there's a part of that that can start to weigh down on our hearts, and we read about it in this passage in Proverbs. So what do we do to protect our hearts against these kind of influences? Because Proverbs 2.11 says this, that discretion will protect you, so making some choices and understanding will guard you. And I'm not the person that, that says, hey, we need to hide under a rock and make sure that we would only ever have Christian-based media and influences and Christian people around us. I would never be on that side, but I'm also keenly aware that what it says in Proverbs that we need to protect our hearts and there are people and there are things that are influencing me. And there's times when I'm watching a show or I'm listening to a song and I think, I start to think and the Holy Spirit starts to speak and say, do I really want that kind of thing influencing me consistently, daily? There's a, there's a training principle when you're doing athletic training. And the principle is this. Um, it, we say garbage in, garbage out. Meaning if you're, if you're getting into an exercise routine, you're getting into a nutrition routine, if you put in enough garbage, the performance you're going to be able to put out isn't going to add up to what you want. Garbage in, garbage out. And sometimes I wonder about the things that we let us influence us as well. Proverbs instructs us to protect ourselves. There's a quote that's often been quoted. I read it in John Maxwell's book, and he said, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Now, it's not a hard and fast rule, but there's definite truth to it. That whatever is externally around us has a great deal of influence on us. I dropped off our missions team at the airport yesterday. Amanda was there. Who was anybody else there? We, there, was, there was 12 people going to, the, going to Costa Rica, and I got a text from them last night at 2.20 a.m. They finally got into their hotel. It was midnight, midnight Costa Rican time, 2 o'clock our time. But I dropped them off at the, at the airport about, about 1.30. And why would I have to drop them off so early for a 4.30 flight? Why do we have to be there three hours early? Security checks. The post-9-11 world, we know this. We have to be at the airport two hours early if we're going anywhere. And if we're in a big group, we need to be there maybe two and a half hours early because they're going to check our bags twice. 
They're going to make sure we have no plastic cutlery in our carry-on bags because who knows what we could do with the plastic cutlery. And heaven forbid if you bring an outside beverage through the security check because we don't know what's in those outside beverages. Anybody have to like chug a cup of coffee while you're in line at security before? You're like, I just bought this in the airport. How come I can't drink? Well, we can't bring the outside Starbucks over to here. You have to drink it before you get through. We're so worried about what we're going to allow in to our country. Or other countries are worried about what we're bringing in to their country. We apply this mass amount of protection. And it's way overboard, but we know, you know what? I'd rather be safe. I, and very few of us complain when we have to go through the, you know, the little air blower. Have you walked through the air blowers now? The, you walk in, you just go, and it blows up. I don't know what it's doing, but apparently if I walk through and the air blows and no alarms go, I'm safe. And nothing's happened yet, so so far so good. But I don't even complain when I've been checked three times and I go through that because I feel, you know what, I'd rather be safe. I'd rather go through all this protective measures because it's important to me that our country's safe and everybody in the airport in the airplane is safe and everybody in the airport is, has, has been checked. We don't want outside things coming in to negatively influence what's already in there. 1 Corinthians 15.33, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 13.20, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. I think sometimes I can give myself too much credit for being safe from an outside negative influence. I just go with the theory of, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, I, I know what my faith is, I know what my principles are, and it doesn't matter what I take in, it doesn't matter who's around me. I tend to feel that, if anything, I'll be the one that will influence them. And at some points, that could be completely true. But also, I can't tell you the number of friends or people in the church that I've spoke with that have been able to go, you know, I've had these people around me, and they've been talking in my ear, and all of a sudden I was going down this path, and now my finances are in ruin, my marriage is in trouble, my business is in trouble. If we protect ourselves at the airport, shouldn't we protect our heart? Shouldn't we consider at least the things that are negatively influencing us from the outside and saying, yeah, it's worth it? You know, it goes more than that, because most of us could probably agree that protecting our heart has an element of what's coming from the outside. But let's go a step deeper. Let's protect our heart from deception. If I were to ask one of the kids in the back there, if I was going to ask them, are people basically good or are people basically bad? Most would answer, people are good. People are nice. I see, them, I see them smile at me. We enter this world thinking, maybe even just hoping, that most people are basically good. And then we go to a parking lot. And what happens when there's one spot really close to the front door? There's like, there's like mass chaos. People just gunning it towards that one parking spot because we don't want to walk all the way from the back. I would take us like three minutes. We're cutting each other off. We're yelling. We're screaming at, at at each other. We go, yeah, but deep down, people are really good, just not when it comes to parking spots. Or what about, what about, when, what about when it comes time to, to declare everything on our taxes, and the government says, you know, just declare every little bit of extra income you make. And you're like, I didn't get a T4. Nobody paid anything. This is what I made because this is what's on my T4. But generally, people are good, right? Or we'll make up wild stories about how teeth ran into somebody's head and I didn't bite somebody. At the, if you've been watching the soccer, you know what I mean. <laughs> 
You know, it seems like in our heads we would love to say that deep down people are good. But you know what? At our core, we're actually very sinful. We're very selfish. Human nature. God's nature is good and perfect. Human nature, out of the course of sin entering the world, has actually become sinful. I want, I want to read Matthew 15, 18 through 19. This isn't my words. These are the words of Jesus. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. We're deceived because we assume that as long as I keep, maybe if I just keep the bad things away, then at least just what's inside of me will be good. No, a lot of the times the thing that, the very things that are making me give in towards sin to, make, to, to, to go the way that I want to be going is coming from within. And our key passage backs this up when we were looking in Proverbs 4. It said, keep your mouth free from perversity, from corrupt talk, from your lips. But we can hear that come out sometimes. Or it could be our eyes. It could be, the, let our, it's in this passage, it says, let your eyes look straight ahead and fix your gaze directly before you because we get swayed. Or even our thoughts, give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. The prophet Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Well, that's a pretty hopeless verse this morning, <laughs> that, that the heart is deceitful and beyond cure. So who do we blame for this then? Do we blame God? If he created us, isn't it his fault? It's the story of scripture though, right? As, 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 I, as I mentioned, he created us good. He created us like him. And then sin entered the world and there's this big separation. And all of a sudden, now what do we do with this thought that the things that are coming out of us are evil? Do you know what squatter's rights are? Have you heard of squatter's rights? If somebody owns a piece of property, even if they don't legally own it, the property can be defaulted to them. They can start to gain some kind of legal property if they've been on it. You can't just remove them. Just, just being present on property starts to give you some sort of right. I don't know if you heard the story of the, of the nanny. Her name's Diane Stretton. She's from, she's from California. She was a nanny, and she was hired by this family to watch three kids while the parents worked and she was going to be a live-in nanny, so they gave her a room. She came in. She had a great first week of work. Second week of work was not so good. And by the third week of work, she informed them that she wasn't going to watch the kids anymore, but she was also not ready to leave the house. So part of, part of her salary was to be able to live in their house. That was, that was part of the arrangement. And she said, I'm not, I'm not going to work for you anymore, but I'm here and I'm not leaving. So they did what anyone do. They, they, they didn't want to get physical about it. They called the police, and the, and the police said, we really can't take her out because she's there. She's been there. You've got to go through a full eviction process, and that could take from two months up to six months just to get her out of your house living across the hallway from your kids. She's legally allowed to be there. I don't know if you, if you remember the housing crisis back in the, a, few, a few years ago that was really experienced in cities like Buffalo and Detroit, and a lot of the downtown homes that were once worth $100,000, $200,000 were now all of a sudden worth less than $100 at some points. And people just abandoned the homes. They said, you know what, I can't, I'm not paying taxes on this, I'm not keep paying the upkeep of the house, I'm just, I'm just leaving. 
And the people who were once formerly homeless decided, if there's $100,000 homes downtown that nobody's in, I know where I'm sleeping tonight. <laughs> and they went into the homes, and they started living and existing in, in these homes. And the city were una- was unable to just come in and evict them because they were there, and they had some squatters' rights. Now, it's not just in the States. I looked... I looked up Canadian law, and actually, the term isn't um, squatters' rights. It's actually adverse possession. But there's this argument going on in Toronto right now. There's neighbors that are back-to-back like this, and this neighbor here built his driveway 15 years ago right through the back third of this neighbor's lawn, and he can access it here. So this neighbor went to the city and said, there's a driveway on, on my lawn. And they said, well, since it's been there for more than 10 years, it's an existing structure, that this neighbor now has adverse possession of that. And until he chooses to get rid of that driveway, that's now his property, and there's nothing that you can do about that. Simply because it's there, it gives it possession. Now let's apply that to the things that are within us. Who owns our heart? God created us. Then our hearts, we took back some control because we wanted to be like God, so we we had sin come in. And then he sent Jesus to die, and he paid the price for our hearts that he originally had. So he owns that. But there are times that we say, you know what, Lord, even though you own my heart, there's selfishness that I, I want this, or there's anger that comes in. There's hatred. And it's in our hearts and if it's resident in our hearts, it's got squatter's rights. It's there. It starts to own pieces of our hearts. And this summer, as we begin to look at the Proverbs, we want to say, you know, there may be something in my heart that I need to give over to God because I don't want the squatter there. I want Jesus there. I want nothing but God's presence in my heart because I read out of the scripture that stuff that comes out of me has the potential to make me, to defile me. And there are people here today that, you know, sometimes it's your words, sometimes it's your thoughts. I don't know what it is. But when we regard, but when we read those words that say, guard your hearts, we not only have to consider the external influences, we have to consider as well that which comes out of us. Here's what it says, 1 John 2.16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the beautiful thing is this, is that Jesus paid the price once and forever, knowing that there will be multiple times where we need to come back to him and say, Lord, I need forgiveness. Lord, there are other things in my heart than you. And in fact, it's a practice that I know many deeply spiritual people say, I need to do that every morning. I need to wake up every morning and say, Lord, there are pieces of me that are not completely submitted to you. So forgive me, Lord, Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Make me clean and whole again today. And you know, I don't want to go any further in this service than to present you with that opportunity as we get going in this series this summer. Just to consider for again, is there, is there a piece of you that just needs to confess this morning and say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. Lord, I want to be made new again. I don't want a squatter in my heart. And this morning you can do that just, just now, just in this moment, inside your head, quietly. That's the beauty of the message of Jesus. No matter how far we think we've strayed, his forgiveness always welcomes us back. It's the complete protection package. So whether you've been a Christian, a follower for 30 years, or whether you're visiting this morning, this is 
one of the first times you heard about this message. That's the challenge this morning. So as we begin to wrap up, our series for the summer is Get Smart, Wisdom for Purposeful Living. Once we get our hearts right, the rest of the series will get us ready for the purposeful life that we want. The intro into the book of Proverbs says that they were written in Proverbs 1, 2, and 3. It says they were written for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, and doing what is right and just and fair. It's not easy to make the well-thought-out choices all the time. And the difference is this. We summed it up. It's the difference between reacting and responding. Reacting is when something happens and we just follow our emotions, follow our heart, and we're just kind of all out there. And responding is getting the situation, processing it, thinking, what am I called to do? What am I supposed to do? What would God have me do? And then we make a choice and we follow through with that. When my wife sees a spider, she reacts. (laughs) She does not respond to the tiny little insect that's this tall with eight legs. She reacts. How many react to spiders? Just honest in the room this morning. You don't respond. You react. My wife is leading a missions trip in the jungle with lizards Lizards and snakes and who knows what, and she will march right through that, no problem, whatever. But if she sees a spider in the bathroom, she is not going to respond. She's going to react, and it sounds like the world is ending. And I I think, like, somebody's lost a finger or, like, hope's fallen out of bed and her head's bleeding or something. No, it was just the spider. That's, That's what the shrieking was all about. We don't always respond. Sometimes we react. Canada Day this week, it was uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, right? We all went out, celebrated. Our backyard backs onto a park, so every long weekend there are multiple fireworks. And we anticipate from about 9.30 to 11 o'clock, it's going to be loud, and the dog will be running the window to window, and we, le- we let Hope stay up, and she'll watch until she falls asleep. And So about 11.15, 11.30, things were starting to calm down on Tuesday night. Amanda and I said, all right. We can, we can probably go to bed because there's no way you can sleep when literally it's about 50 feet from her head. It's bang, 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 bang. So 11.30, we're, we're going to bed. We're just starting to fall asleep. 10 after 12, I hear bam, bam, just popping. And I peek my head out the window and there's a group of four or five teenagers just loving themselves, just laughing right in the, in the park there with n- no light, like big firecrackers like that, just the bangers. Just, and they had like a whole case of them. I could see what was going to happen for the next 15 minutes. And in that moment, it was funny because we had been preparing for this, and I'm thinking respond versus react, respond versus react, as the next 10 minutes was just boom, boom, <laughs> quarter after 12. It's been a long day. We had been out, and I'm thinking... There is no good that is going to come if I just go out there and react. Like, what is going to happen in my house or my car or even myself if I go out and take on this group of teenagers with a case full of poppers, fire firecrackers? I just lay there and just thought, just, it's 15 minutes. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And it was. It was fine after, after I went on. But, you know, we, we get into situations where we just want to react, right? We have this emotional response And this summer, we are going to look at all the different areas of our lives where a lot of times we're reacting. We're just making a choice because that's what feels good, because that's the way we've done it in the past. And this morning, I wasn't even presenting material that you hadn't heard before. 
I wasn't presenting new intellectual knowledge. But what I was presenting was the concept of, hey, maybe there's some areas of our life that we could be open to the wisdom of the Proverbs, where we should be open to letting God's word shape the way we think about our finances or our business or our family. It's going to be a great summer. We're really excited to see what's going to happen as we get into the words. Proverbs 5, 1 and 2. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Open your ears to my understanding so that you may act with foresight and speak with insight. I love that. You may act with foresight and speak with insight. Have you heard of the concept of muscle memory? Muscle memory is, is this. If you've, the concept is, if you do it enough times a certain way, it'll be easier to do it that way again the next time the situation comes up. Athletes say, well, you know, I, was, I can play tennis and I can hit that ball. I don't know how they do it. Have, have you been watching the uh, Wimbledon at all? We had two Canadians get up to the semifinals and uh, Bouchard made the final. And, like, they, they hit it and... It doesn't like go sailing way high when I try and hit it sometimes, but it stays nice and low with a nice top spin and get down. And they just say it's muscle memory because they've acted that way so many times before. Now, there are, there are pieces of truth to this. If you, if you get into the neurology of it, there are pieces of truth that, that if there's a pathway, there's a thought in your brain, there's, there's this trench that you've made where if you've done it that way, it's so much easier for you to respond that way again. Most of us aren't Wimbledon tennis players, but we can put it in our, into context this way. How many of us are, are late-night snackers? <laughs> like, 11 o'clock comes, and you're like, I want, like, a big sandwich. Or I, I think 12.30, now's the time to go find the Doritos. That's the time that I need a, a nice big thing of popcorn or something like that. It's not because we're hungry, really, at 11.30. We're, we're not, we've actually probably eaten enough for the day. It's just that over the course of time, we've been up that late, and when we're up that late, we, we think, I need food. I, I had food yesterday at this time. It would be good for me to have food today at this time. So we go and we get into this pattern. We get, we get into the habit of continuing to do the things that we've done in the past. Well, this book is going to challenge us. This book of Proverbs is going to challenge us to say, the things that we've always done may not be right, they may just be the things that we've always done. And that's what my prayer is for us as a church this summer, as we look at all these, as we look at all these areas, that we would say, Lord, I'm not going to say that I've always acted right. We've just read that some of the stuff that comes from within is actually far from you, Lord. And just because I've done it that way in the past doesn't mean I should continue to keep doing it that way. It may just be a habit that I've gotten into. So our prayer for Portico this summer is that we would guard our hearts, that we would protect it from the influences both outside and inward, and we would be open to allowing the wisdom of the Proverbs to bring a new sense of purpose to all areas of our life. Let's pray. I'm going to invite the music team to come back. Lord, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for each person that heard those words this morning and was challenged, Lord, even maybe to renew their faith commitment to you, to renew a part of their heart to you, a part that had been scarred or a part that had been taken back for themselves, Lord. And Lord, I ask that we would all be able to walk out of this room this morning knowing that there's no other squatter on our hearts, that it's just you. And even if we're not ready to make that step yet, Lord, that we would at least consider that there's a part of our heart that we need to turn over to you. And Jesus, I pray that over the summer, as we study Proverbs, Father, make our hearts moldable. Your word says that you're the potter and we're clay.
God, meaning that you can shape us, meaning that there's constant change that needs to happen. And Father, I pray we would never get so set in our ways that we wouldn't be open to considering that you have something different and something new for us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that's in it. And I pray that this summer, you really would shape us new with your wisdom. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.